friends, welcome to the Inspiring Honey Show. I'm Gabrielle, and I'm very happy that you are here. Each week, I share kind words like honey to spread his love and live inspired. I have guests, and we talk about topics that we face every day, like relationships, faith, confidence, calling, and how to live every bit of our lives fully inspired. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the Inspiring Honey Show. I'm so excited about today's episode because my friend Chloe is on and she's going to be telling us about how to save money, how to be financially secure, gain financial freedom, and build wealth now with the existing income you have. She talks about debt and her own personal story about how she paid off $38,000 of debt in just 18 months. This episode is packed full of golden nuggets of information that you can apply to your life right now. It doesn't matter if you're in high school, college, or you're an established family member with your own family. Whatever stage of life you're in, you're going to benefit from the wisdom that Chloe has to share. So let me tell you a little bit about my friend Chloe. Chloe is a 24-year-old millennial money coach who helps millennials pay off debt and get ahead with their finances, and also save big for future investments. After she paid off over $36,000 of debt in 18 months and saw how it transformed her life, Chloe decided that she would start to show other 20 and 30-somethings how to create a life for themselves too. Her mission is to make finances fun and easy for millennials, to prove that you can enjoy young adulthood and still get ahead with your money. Chloe is an expert in negotiating, gaining confidence around money, and advocates for her clients to optimize their finances instead of sacrificing the things they love. By mastering her personal and business finances, Chloe grew her business to multiple six figures within her first year. And now she helps entrepreneurs make a seamless jump from corporate by mastering their business finances too. Chloe's clients are proof that you don't have to wait until you're 60 to have financial freedom and that it is possible to travel, save big, and become massively wealthy now. So let's welcome Chloe onto the show today. Hey, Chloe, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so excited to talk to you and hear your wisdom. Oh my goodness, I'm so, so, so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, you are so amazing and you've accomplished so much. You're helping so many people. So it's just such an honor to be speaking with you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk about all things today and get into it. Yes. All right. So my first question is, how did you go from, as you described it, a broke college kid to a thriving something 20-year-old? Absolutely. So for me, I was a very average college kid. I had student loans. I was working a ton of part-time jobs. I was, um, and, and no matter how hard I worked and no matter how many more hours I would take on, or maybe I'd take on another part-time job, I still always felt broke. Like my bank account would overdraft all the time. I would be at the grocery store. My card would get declined and I just felt broke. And I considered myself broke. I talked about it all the time. 
And really the transition from, you know, that was when I was, you know, in college now to being 24 and, and everything working and in such a short period of time, it all started with understanding money, understanding why I was self-sabotaging in understanding that it was okay for me to start dreaming bigger than I was with money. You know, I had basically determined that who I was was a broke college kid. And when you determine that and you decide that that's who you are, it allows you, it blocks you from getting ahead with money because the broke 20 year old doesn't get ahead with money or the broke you know, college kid doesn't get ahead. And so for me, it was really starting to question, like, is this who I am? Or is it possible for me to get ahead with money? Is it possible for me to be someone who's good at money? Is it possible for me to be someone who understands money? And really started questioning that and saying, okay, if I did, if I was capable of that, what would that look like in my life? And how can I really go after that and create that story for myself? Wow, that is just so inspiring because I know I am 22. Most of my friends are in college right now and I hear them always saying how they're broke college kids, they can't do this, they can't do that. And I've even found myself being like, wow, finances stress me out so much. So how did you, I mean, I I think I'm in the boat with a lot of people where money just, it just seems overwhelming. So what mind shift set um just led you from spending and feeling like you had no money to all of a sudden paying off debt and being able to save your money like I know you said you started to stop believing you were broke but what flipped the switch to allow you to move to a new mindset absolutely so I was really really struggling like I was at this time, it was my junior year in college, and I was at this low point. I was just, things weren't going well. I was going through a breakup. I was doing all these things, and I just kept having these breakdowns of being like, look, I'm just so unhappy with where I'm at. I feel out of control. I feel like I'm not, I'm lost. I'm not doing this, and so I really wanted something that I I could control, you know, like, you know, you could only control certain things. So make sure that you're controlling those things and not trying to control the things you can't control. And so I was, um, money was kind of that thing that I latched onto. I was like, there's just no way that I'm making all this money because my friends in college, they would say, Oh my gosh, Chloe, you're working so much. You must have money. And I'd be like, no, I literally have negative $32. that bank account. How is this possible? And, um, it's so super eye opening for me where I'm like, how am I working so much? You know, I was almost working over like 40 hour weeks during school. And I was like, how am I working so much and having nothing to show for it? Because at that time I was paying for, you know, my bills and stuff, but they were so small because I was living in a college dorm. I was eating food from the cafeteria. And so my bills were super small. I should on paper be getting ahead. And so the biggest thing for me was really stopping my language around money because that stopped me from the action. So what I mean by that is every time I said, oh, I'm a broke college kid or I just suck at numbers so I can't be good at money or, oh, I've never been good with finances or I've never been good with money. And then when I told myself that, I wouldn't sit down and look at my finances because why would I if I suck at 
that, or if I'm not good at money or I'm not good with numbers, then I wasn't taking the action. And so for me, it was a lot of saying, okay, I'm just going to face this head on. And maybe I'm not that good with numbers right now. I'm not that good with money. But what if I was like, what if, what if I became good at money? What if I became like someone who understood this stuff and then it wouldn't be so scary. And so at first it was kind of a Hail Mary. It was like, whatever, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to find out what I'm doing with my money. And that was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences ever because I was wasting so much money without realizing it. And I, I see that with a ton of clients right now. And, you know, to answer your question, People, a lot of times when I tell my story about how I paid off $36,000 of debt in 18 months, I was like the first thing that really like set my soul on fire for this. Eight months of that, I was in college. Like eight months of that time, I was working minimum wage. I was making $8 in the college mailroom. So it's not like I was rolling in the dough or anything. And so a lot of that was understanding that I did not have to be the broke girl that wasn't my identity and then taking the steps, taking the action that's, that really supported my new story of I was going to figure this out. Wow, that is really deep. And I know that a lot of people struggle with control and money can kind of seem like something will I can't control that. Like I don't control the salary I get or something like that. And people can really get caught in that broke mindset and that mentality. Like you said, a few years ago, I was actually speaking at an event about mind over matter and how your thoughts really shape your reality. You have a couple thousand thoughts per every hour. And that really does start to shape the reality around you and the way that you function and you're just a perfect example of that how all of a sudden you went from being this broke college kid you had the same salary but you all of a sudden started to accumulate wealth and pay off debt and that is just so relatable for so many and I think it's very eye-opening and a little bit humbling to hear so now that you've gone through that and you've had that mindset shift and you started to accumulate wealth and started to be able to pay off debt with the same salary that you were getting how does it feel to be in this spot where you're financially free and you have a savings and you just don't have that burden of being broke hanging over your head oh my gosh it's everything and the the craziest thing is when I sit down, so my company is called Deeper the Money because a lot of the stuff like we're already talking about isn't even about the the money and the practical stuff, but it's so much deeper than that. Um, but <clears throat> so that's my company, and of course I coach people on how to get ahead with money. I coach millennials primarily on how to get ahead with their finances. I'm a money coach, but the number one thing I like my number one goal in my company is to help people have freedom. It's not even about money. It's to help them have freedom because I'm a big believer that when people figure out their finances, it allows them to be so detached from stuff. It allows them to be so detached from, you know, if something like right now, you know, there's so much stuff going on in the economy that if you have an emergency fund in place or if you have the savings or if you don't have debt, you're not impacted in the same way that someone who does not have any of those things in place is. And it also just allows you to make decisions 
based on what you want and is best for you and best for your family and not, oh, I have to because of finances. I have a lot of clients in the past who they're in jobs that are really toxic for them or they're in environments that are really toxic, but they say, I can't leave because I have to have the money. And that's one of the biggest things that I, I never want anyone to feel like that, that they have to stay at the job or they have to stay in the, the apartment or they have to stay in a relationship because of money. I, I want them to have that freedom, not only of, hey, I want to go buy this shirt at Target, but also the freedom of, I want to make choices that the the reason I'm not making them isn't money. Does that make sense? Like I, I, that, that automatic freedom is just, you, you cannot put a price tag on that. Definitely. That makes so much sense. And I think too, just being a, a parent and having a parental um, view on it, having financial freedom and being able to buy extras for your kid or being able to buy those toys just makes a world of difference. Um, and just being able to feel comfortable, like you said, and you mentioned all the clients that you work with. So when you coach clients, what is the most common mistake that you are seeing people make with their money? I know you mentioned that people get stuck in the mindset that they have to do this job or they have to stay where they are. But what is a mistake that people are making with their money that's leading them to just be stuck or feel like they're stuck? Yeah, great question. So I think the biggest mistake that I see millennials making is that they are putting their money towards so many things instead of one priority and then going to the next priority. So what I mean by this is if I'll hear this a lot of, I'll say, well, you know, what are your... what biggest goal right now? What's your number one goal? And they'll say, well, I'm saving for a wedding and I'm paying off debt and I'm saving for a house and I'm saving for a honeymoon and I'm trying to pay down my and I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So they start putting $10 here and $50 here and $100 here and $500 here and two months goes by and they haven't hit any goals. And so what I always tell my clients is to make a priority list. What is your number one priority and what is the amount like associated with that priority. Then what's number two, what's number three, what's number four, all the way, you know, I say make at least 10 um, and then start going down that list. Because if you put all of your money, let's say the first goal is um, pay off a credit card that is $1,000. You paying, putting all of your extra money into that goal and then moving on to the next one when two months goes by, now you've already checked off three things of your list and you're making progress. And not only is that super exciting from a financial perspective because you're checking things off your list, but from a momentum perspective, it keeps you going towards hitting your goal. So if you're listening to this and you're you're feeling like you're not getting ahead, make sure that you are prioritizing one thing in all your towards that thing then moving on to the next one and I promise you you will hit your goals so much faster wow that is a lot of truth I feel like that's something that my husband and I have done before we have just made different accounts and different savings for different things and we save for it for a few months and you don't really see that big of an impact but your perspective of just saving for one thing and focusing on that one thing really hits home because it just makes so much sense and I follow you on Instagram I love your account you share so much wisdom and 
One thing I have heard you say a lot is to treat your finances like a relationship. So how could someone listening today start doing that and start practically realizing what their financial priorities are and putting one ahead of the other? Absolutely. So what I mean by thinking about money or your finances like a relationship is to picture if money, your money was a person. And let's say for you, maybe you ignore that person or you talk crap about that person or you don't think long term about that person. If that were your partner, is that a good relationship? No, (laughs) absolutely not. You know, your partner doesn't want you to ignore them. They don't want you to talk badly about them. They don't want you to be only thinking day to day, but not thinking long term. And so we want to have a good relationship with money. And so what you can do is to say, okay, I am going to stop ignoring my finances. I'm going to, one of the things I recommend is having a money date, especially if you are in a or you're married, um, sitting down once a week and just touching base with your partner about, hey, here are here's our upcoming expenses for the month. Here's what we have to do. Here's um, you know some some maybe things we need to think about. Yada yada yada. And if you don't have a significant other, cool, do it yourself. Sit down once a week and say, okay, where am I at? And am I on track? Am I behind? If I'm behind, why am I behind? If I'm ahead, how did I get ahead? That's awesome. You know, all those different things, like really be intentional about it. Um, next thing, think about how you're talking about them. You know, if, if I had, um, you know, I have a fiance and if I was, if I was on this call and you asked me, Hey, how, how is your fiance? And I was like, he sucks. He's the worst. I can't stand him. He just drives me crazy. You'd be like, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. And oftentimes when we talk about money, we're complaining. We're we're frustrated. We feel like finances, you know, we're talking so negatively and we want to make sure that your relationship with money isn't negative. Um, and an easy way to do this is to just have fun with money. And I think so often women and especially like women of faith really struggle with thinking well, I don't want to want money too much, right? Like, you know, that's greedy of me or that's, you know, too, um, you know, I'm going to idolize it, whatever. And what I like to recommend to everyone is that imagine if, like, okay, here, here's my thought process. If I give money to, or if, there, if somebody else has money, like I'm not in control of where it goes or how it's spent. If I have money, if I have a million dollars right now, I can give more, I can help more, I can serve others more, I can provide so much more to my family, to my community, and to the to the places where I want to fund and help. And so for me, that's such a driving force when I think about my relationship with money, I want to have my relationship with money be so good. And I want to be thinking long-term about building a ton of wealth because when I build wealth, I'm not just building wealth for me so I can go buy all the things, but it's also so I can give in a huge way that impacts others so much. That is so true. It's not just about 
wanting it, but it's about how you steward it and how you give. And that is just such a great perspective and a reminder I think we all need to have because sometimes people don't want to pursue being financially comfortable, like you said, because they're worried about being greedy. But it just comes down to your heart and how you're stewarding it and what you're doing to give back to others. So exactly. What is your best advice for someone who says, okay, I'm ready to start taking my finances seriously. I want to start making a change in my mind and my life. So how can people actually stay on budget to the point where they are comfortable and they have extra at the end of the month and everything works out down to a T? Great question. So the biggest thing, and it sounds so simple, but I promise this is one of the biggest mistakes, is that you're not setting realistic goals. Like most people, I would say 90% or higher of people who say, oh, my budget isn't working, or I set a budget, but I wasn't able to stay on budget. It's because they weren't setting realistic goals. They were saying, okay, I'm only going to spend $10 shopping this month. And then they go over it. And then they say, well, you know what? I'm already over it. So what's the point? I might as well go buy this or do this or do this. And they actually end up spending more because they've given up on their plan and given up on their goal. So if we just set realistic goals instead, and then at the end of the month, we hit them, Then we can say, okay, cool. Do I want to maybe try to spend a little less or spend a little more or do this or do this? But if you're just setting completely unrealistic goals and you're so far off, you can't just update that, but you feel like a failure and you're not staying on track long term. And so then you give up on the budget and then you try it again later. And it's almost like a a diet, you know, where someone said, okay, no sugar, no carbs, no like treats for the next year and you were like okay I'll try it and then if you gave up day one you would say well this sucks I'm not doing this you'd eat all the chocolate you would eat all the you know spaghetti and then next week you'd say okay I'm gonna start again and then you would try cutting it out you know whatever and so it's the same thing with a with a budget or with a spending plan you have to be realistic because that's what's sustainable long term When you mentioned the part about going on a diet, that really rung home for me because I have a background in being a nutritionist and I've worked with a bunch of different clients and you just can't cut certain things cold turkey. You have to give them freedom and realistic ways to make changes and that's just so true. I never thought about finances in that way that you can't just cut it cold turkey because then it leads to a binge response. Exactly. So what are some things or advice that you would tell people not to do when they're looking at their financial plan or they're making their budget? What are the worst things that somebody can be doing for their bank account? Okay, cool. So um, one of the biggest things is to not track all of your money. So if I hear this a lot, especially with new clients, We're sitting down and we're looking at their spending. We're looking at like, okay, where does your money go every month? And we'll go past a $5 charge at the gas station. And I'm like, okay, where where are you going to add that to your budget? And they're like, oh, it's only five bucks. I'm not going to add that. I'm like, no, you have to add every dollar because so often 
those two dollar oh it's just a two dollar apple subscription or it's just a five dollar this or it's a ten dollar starbucks or whatever those are the things if we're not accounting for them then we're not knowing where all of the money is going so that's super important is making sure that you're not leaving anything off even if it feels insignificant even if it feels like oh it's just a one-time thing making sure you're counting for every single dollar that's huge um, the next thing is just spending out of alignment. And so, you know, we talked about this in the last question a little bit with binge spending where it, it just isn't in alignment. Um, and, and this pops up for people in a lot of different ways. So for, for my shopaholics, for my, um, you know, my clients who love to shop so often, we, you know, we get to the root of the problem and it's not that, oh, they love shopping. It's that they have a lot of deeper stuff going on or when they have a bad day at work they go to the mall instead of dealing with the problem instead of working through their emotions or you know going to therapy or going to and and, and working through that stuff they go to shop to cover up that emotion and so again my company is deeper than money because a lot of times it's not about saying hey stop spending it's about saying why are you spending and learning that oh anytime client A is stressed about work or stressed about a relationship, she goes to spend to get that, you know, rush of dopamine of like that excitement and that new purchase and that stuff, but then it wears off and then she wants that next thing. And so getting to the root problem and saying like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Let's talk through that. And so you don't feel like you have to go spend to fill that void. And so a lot of that stuff is really understanding why you're spending habits, why you spend the way that you do and not necessarily, oh, you need to stop. Um, the last thing I'll say about something I would advise against doing financially is using a credit card like a genie lamp. I'm not against credit cards if they're used properly. If you're you have a credit card and you are using it like a debit card, meaning you're planning for where that money is going. You are following up at the end of every month and being like, okay, how did I do? Where did my money go, et cetera? You're not spending or you're not putting more on it than money that you're making and all that stuff. That's fine. I'm, that's, I'm totally fine with giving a credit card. But if you're using a credit card, like, oh, this is just fake money and you just spend whatever and then you pay off what you can that's really going to get you into trouble long-term. So making sure that you're being a good steward of your money and not just using it differently because it's on a credit card versus a debit card. The more that we have been talking today, the more that I'm starting to really understand why you named this Deeper Than Money. (laughs) Exactly. I'm telling you, like, there's, yes, of course, I teach all the practical. I teach here's how you set this up and here's the process and here's this but so much of what I teach is not here's the problem with your finances it's okay here's the root of the problem here's what you're actually struggling with and money is just the symptom wow that is crazy you're you are like the money doctor <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I love that <laughs> I I honestly I'm really getting to know like I said what your name means and the more we're talking the more I'm loving this and just my perspective is changing so <laughs> if, so- <laughs> if someone is in debt right now 
what are some practical steps that you followed um, that they could start doing to eliminate that debt, to get out of it without having to make a huge change in their um, money flow or their job or cash flow or stuff like that? Absolutely. So the biggest thing is to know what your debt is and not just an approximation of, oh, I have about 30,000, but to know to the, to the exact decimal point, to the exact change, what your debt is and what kind of debt it is. So know that, okay, I have this much in student loan debt. I have this much in credit card debt. I have this much in a car loan. I have this much in a mortgage. And understanding all of your debt, not only how much you have, but the interest rate that you have on each debt, knowing that is so important. And so many people say that they know it but they just know a generic number. They don't know the details. So understand the details. Um, The next thing that I would recommend doing to, to start getting out of debt is similar to how I talked about earlier with the priority list, make a debt priority list. Okay. So the first number I, I would rank your debts from smallest to largest. The only exception is if you have somewhere throughout that list, and an, an amount of debt that has a huge interest rate on it. So if you have your first debt is a thousand dollars and it's at three percent interest, and then your next debt is at three percent interest, and your next debt is at four percent interest, and then the fourth debt is at twenty nine percent interest, that is the amount. That's the um, that's the debt that we want to actually pay off first because it's accruing interest so fast which means that's an account that you are paying the bank or whoever owns it so much to have that loan. Um, So then that's the loan that you'd want to pay off first and then move on to the next one. Instead of, similar to what I said before, instead of putting $10 on every single one of your debts, let's say you have 10 10 different debts and you put $10 towards, toward each debt, I would rather you put $100 towards one of the debt and then start knocking that down super fast. Um, Huge. I mean, and it makes a big difference, again, for momentum. Because when you see that first debt paid off, you're like, oh my gosh, I can do this. You go to the next one. Oh my gosh, I can do this and go to the next one. And make sure that you are breaking things down. So if you have a student loan debt of $20,000, most likely, unless you've consolidated it, inside of that $20,000 loan, there's probably a $1,000 loan and a $2,000 loan and a $4,000 loan. So break those down individually because thinking of, all right, next up, I'm paying a $1,000 loan feels a lot more manageable than saying, all right, next up, I have $30,000 to pay off. So really breaking that down is going to help too. So we have talked about debt and uh, budgeting and changing your mindset, but what are the best ways to actually start saving money today and building up that savings account? Perfect. So the biggest thing is to set your savings goals at the beginning of the month and not waiting until the end. So I see this all the time of people saying, oh, okay, whatever's left over at the end of the month, I'll save. And what happens? Life comes up. We we see a great sale on swimsuits and this happens and this happens. And at the end of the month, 
we have very little or nothing left over. When if you flip it, what I recommend is making your savings happen and then you live your life, you live your lifestyle around your savings instead of saving around your lifestyle. The most important thing to me is my long-term financial security and setting that up instead of you know, buying a, a new swimsuit. I love new swimsuits and there's nothing wrong with buying that, but I am not going to save less in order to buy a swimsuit. I'm going to make sure I hit my savings goal and then with the money left over, then I'll buy the swimsuit. So just making sure that the top thing, no matter what, you hit that savings goal and then you say, okay, with this leftover money, how do I want to allocate it? Do I want to go buy takeout? Do I want to buy a swimsuit? Do I want to do this or that? But making sure that no matter what happens, I always hit that savings goal first. That's really cool to think about, just being able to hit that goal and then living your life around that. I think that's really refreshing, and I feel like a lot of people just don't have that mindset or don't know that they can do that. I feel like a lot of people think that they just have to live with what they have and then whatever's left over, they save, but they also kind of get into the mindset of just being able to spend. Exactly. So I have a few questions that came in from listeners for you. I'm really excited to be able to ask this. We've never kind of done this type of question from listeners segment before on the show. Um, But the first one is very specific and it comes from CareBear097. And she wants to ask you, what is the best way to pay off student loans? Awesome. Okay, so... The, the first thing to know, and especially this is really uh, a hot topic right now when because of the, the stuff that's going on, um, interest rates, well, federal interest rates are kind of frozen right now for the most part. And so what that means is if you are putting money towards paying loans, yes, you will pay interest that's already accrued, but new interest isn't being accrued, which means that you are paying toward the accrued interest and the principal, which is basically a fancy way of saying you're paying them down faster. Um, because most of the time, the, the minimum payments that you're paying just go toward the interest that's accrued that month, that month, which means it's going to be really hard to see those come down fast. And so anyway, but regardless of whether you're starting to pay this off now or you're going to be doing this later, the more you can pay on top of your minimum monthly payment, the the faster you will pay your loans off. Um, I would recommend this to anyone, but you can Google um, uh, interest payoff or debt payoff, and there's some great calculators out there, and you can say, okay, this is my debt, this is my minimum payment, I'm supposed to pay it off in 15 years, and then say, what if I paid it off in 10 years instead of 15 years? And then it will say, you're going to save $10,000 or you're going to save $12,000. And you're like, whoa, this is crazy. And so then what you can do is calculate, okay, if I'm going to pay it off five years earlier, what do I need to be putting towards the payment per month? And then use that as the new monthly payment. So the more that you can get ahead and not only pay the minimum, but pay a little bit extra, that's going to help you in so many different ways. So could someone also apply that to a car payment, a house payment, whatever type of loans they have? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So the next question is from, I hope I pronounced this right, Catalina underscore cat. And she asks, how do you set a plan to get out of debt when you're already so tight with money? Awesome. So one of my favorite, and gosh, I have like so many tips and tricks. I do have a, and I can send you the link for this too, but I have a free challenge. It's called the thousand dollar challenge. And it's how to save a thousand dollars in three days. And it's super great. And it literally is just a hundred tips might even be more than that. I don't know. Um, but a hundred tips on do this, try this, try this. Um, but the biggest thing is if you're already tight with money to say, okay, here, here's the, the most simple way to put it. You can either, in order to not be so tight with money, you can make more money or you can spend less money. Like the, I, you know, to not sugarcoat it. Those are the two ways. So in that challenge, I talk about the two ways. Okay. What are ways you can make more money? Um, even though I know there's a ton of people who are um, now out of a job, there are so many companies online, especially that are hiring right now for virtual work. So how can you go online and make some extra money? Because that would allow you to have a bigger budget and not be so tight with money on the flip side. Okay. Let's look at your expenses um, as an example. So zebra, like, the, the animal, a zebra, zebra.com is a, is a good example. You can go on zebra and type in your information and it will tell you if you are paying too much for car insurance and what your quote should be. And then you can go take that back to your car insurance place and say, Hey, my rate is, you know, 10% higher than the, than the nation average. I'm going to go take this to a different car insurance place or will you lower my rate? And then they can lower your rate. Or, you know, negotiating your phone bill, you know, lowering your current expenses and then at the same time bringing in a little extra income, that's going to give you a huge gap and take your tight budget to give it a lot of more leeway to go and put more money towards debt or put more money towards savings. Wow, what great insight that is because I didn't even know that was a thing. I just thought that once you got given your car insurance or your phone bill that that was the set number and you could not no, negotiate. No, there's there's so many factors. Um, age, increasing in age for, um, for, especially for millennials, if you have good grades, you can turn in, you can literally turn in and show you have A's in college and that can decrease your um, car insurance if you... Um, let's say right now, let's say you normally drive a ton. You put like, you know, you, let's say for someone who drives an hour to work, but now works from home, you can call and get your car insurance lowered because you're on the road less. So there's so many different things that go into that. And if we just start getting in the habit of asking those questions, we can make that tight budget something that you're totally able to get ahead with money with. Wow, what good insight and tips. I mean, I personally want to go try that now and yes, go on the zebra. <laughs> so br3.thomas asked, what's the most important part of saving and spending? Great question. So the biggest thing is to whatever you're doing, whether you're saving, whether you're spending, make it intentional. Um, a lot of times spending gets the wrap the rep for being bad, right? Like, oh, you know, I spent too much or I shouldn't have bought that or, oh my gosh, you spent that money, you know, whatever. It gets a bad um, rep. And so I just want to remind you that spending money is not bad and, and saving money is not bad. There's there's no good or bad 
it's just doing it in alignment or not in alignment. If you are spending money um, in a way that isn't serving you or in a way that goes against what you stand for or in a way that is just wasteful because you're you're not even seeing where your money's leaking out or maybe you're paying for a subscription that you don't even use and so that money is you know not being intentionally spent that to me is what it means to not be a good steward of money like being a good steward of money is being intentional with every single transaction whether it's saving whether it's spending whether it's paying a speeding ticket it is being intentional about where that money is going and and making that choice instead of feeling like oh my gosh I don't know where my money goes like money is so money is just all over the place like it's your responsibility with that money in order to to take good care of it and a lot of people want more money and they think they need more money to get ahead But if you can't manage $100, you can't manage $1,000. So make sure that whatever money you have, I don't care if it's $5, that you are so intentional about it. Because then when you get $500 or $5,000 or $5 million, you're going to be able to be intentional with that money too. Wow, what an important lesson of intentionality, not only in money, but in life everywhere. You just got to be really intentional and have your heart in the right place before you act. Exactly. So well said. So the last question comes from Rachel D. And she asked, how do you budget with an inconsistent income? Great question. So the biggest thing is that your income shouldn't create consistency for you. You create consistency for you. So regardless of what's coming in, we want to utilize that to create consistency. And, you know, we don't want our employers to create consistency. We don't want our clients to create consistency. We want to create consistency. So that just involves someone, um, or that involves if you have an inconsistent income, creating a plan for yourself. So think about it this way. Let's say you, over the year, make $50,000, but you make it inconsistently. There's one month that you make a thousand. There's one month you make five thousand. There's one month you make this. Yada yada yada. Then you go over to person B, who makes fifty thousand dollars, the exact same amount of money as you do, but they make the exact same paycheck every single month. Okay. I want you to imagine if I was, you know, big brother, and I'm the one paying both of them. Okay. If you have inconsistent income. But you're, you're like, how do I create consistency? How do I budget? How do I get ahead? Imagine if, I, you know, I'm the big brother. I'm handing you the checks. What is the difference between me, client A and client B? I am just creating the consistency for client B for them by rationing it out, whereas for you with inconsistent income, you need to create that. So if you have the same money coming in, and if you think about it that way, What you can do is in the low months, you say, okay, I need to make sure I have money set aside from a higher month to where in a lower month, everything's covered. And so what that takes is understanding what you need per month in your checking account to pay your bills and do all that stuff. And then understanding on a higher month, what are your goals? So saying, all right, if I make five thousand okay start from the beginning if i make a thousand dollars this month i'm just putting that money towards bills if i make two thousand dollars this month i'm putting it towards bills and i'm putting it towards saving for next month if i make three thousand dollars i'm paying bills 
saving for next month and I'm putting a thousand dollars in the savings. If I make five thousand, and so you you kind of decide before the month happens what you are going to do regardless of what you make. And so then going into the month, if you make five thousand, you know perfect. At $5,000, I am setting this much aside for this month. I'm setting this much aside for next month in case I have a low month. And then I'm putting X amount ahead or into savings. And so then when the low month happens, no problem. You've already saved from the previous high month to where you're creating that consistency. Um, A big thing for anyone is having an emergency fund. An emergency fund is just money set aside um, in case you ever need it. And so again, that's going to create so much security for you. So much financial security of knowing it doesn't matter if I have a low month because I've planned ahead for it. I've saved for it. And I have that emergency fund in case anything comes up. Wow, what great wisdom and insight you gave today. I feel really motivated and I especially want to go check out that zebra uh, online yes, resource. Absolutely. It's such a, it is a free resource. Like it, it's so great to check out. So if a listener today wants to head over and check out your resources, get to know you, follow you online, or even work with you, how can they do that? Where can they hear you speak? What can they do to get connected with you specifically? Absolutely. So I am deeper than money on basically every social media platform. Um, on Instagram, I'm at deeper period than period money. Instagram is like one of my favorite platforms. I have a podcast called the deeper the money podcast. I have a free Facebook group called the deeper the money Facebook group where I do free coaching every single Wednesday to basically any social media platform. If you search deeper the money, I'll come up. I love hanging out with people. Um, I love when you tag me. If you're, you know, if you're listening to this, feel free to tag me. It makes me so happy. And I have a ton of free resources. Like, yes, I have um, some higher level transformational money programs, but I have a ton of free resources too. So even if you're not looking to, to go and invest in yourself, you can come check out some free resources. That is awesome. And I'll make sure that I put a few of those free resources in my swipe up link on my story when this podcast goes live. I can't wait to share this with everybody and help my listeners learn more from you. Yay, of course. Thank you so, 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 so much for having me today. This was so fun. Your questions were Bye, you're, and I'm just so obsessed with you. You are the sweetest ever. Thank you so much for being on today. Of course. Talk to you soon. Hey, friend. Thank you so much for listening to the Inspiring Honey podcast. It was such a joy to be able to have this time to talk with you. Let's stay connected on Instagram. Be sure to be following me at Inspiring Honey and make sure that you're following the podcast at Inspiring Honey podcast. You can also head over and check out my website where you will find great resources such as a bunch of blog posts, all the archived podcasts, and much, much more. There you can also work directly with me on a bunch of different products and we will be having a whole exclusive line of Inspiring Honey clothing coming out so soon. So you definitely want to go check that out and make sure that you leave a comment or review below telling you what inspired you from this show and what you're loving. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode and I hope you have an amazing day. Bye friend.